In season three of the Culture Gooder podcast, we're doing a deep dive into each of our 12 teams, or as we call them, Flux. In today's episode, we're talking with Ali, the leader of our sales team. Their nickname is the Story Sellers. One thing that's very unique about our sales team is we have no commission. We never have, and we never will. Here's why. We have a lot of amazing teams at Gooder. We have a product team that makes these amazing sunglasses. We have an ops team that handles the logistics that get them into our DC. The DC packages every box that everyone gets. Customer service deals with any issues we have from all of our customers. We have content, design, digital marketing, making this amazing experience for all the consumers. We have an HR and finance team making sure that we all get paid. So why the fuck should only the sales team get commission? It's a rhetorical question. You all know the answer. They shouldn't, and a gooder they don't. Gooder is a we versus I company that celebrates the work over the results. And the story sellers lead by example in this area. One thing Ali has taught me is how to lead with empathy. In fact, it just so happens she's writing a book about empathy right now. Let's talk to Ali. This is Culture Gooder with Stephen Lease and Sean Tinney. Each episode this season, we're talking to a different flock leader of the Gooder team to give you a more in-depth look at how we status the quo challenge. Well, hey, Allie. Thanks for being here today. Yeah, thanks for having me. We are excited to have you here. Let's get things started with some lightning round questions. You ready? So ready. All right. Horror movie or comedy movie? Comedy. City or countryside? Countryside. Favorite season? Fall. All right. And uh, last Halloween costume? It was Smee. <laughs> Smee. <laughs> okay. And then what's your spirit animal and why? It is a golden eagle. And because I just resonate with soaring and moving past hard situations. I love that. What's your Patronus? I hate my Patronus. My Patronus is like a weasel. And it's oh, very sad. That's rough. What's, what house are you in? I'm a Gryffindor. Oh, I'm Slytherin. <laughs> I don't uh, understand. <laughs> how, how can you hate your Patronus if you are creating it? <laughs> well, the test created it, and uh, the I test see. said that's what it is, and it was a sad moment. Whereas, like other people get like a dolphin or you know a tiger. So, all right, now to some serious business here. What's the two minute version of your journey to Gooder? What were you doing beforehand, and how'd you hear about the brand? Yeah, so I. Heard about Gooder because I have known you, Stephen, and Carrie Blunt, a couple of founders of the company, since I was a little child. And so when I decided to move to Los Angeles, I'm friends with you two on Facebook. And I saw that you posted on your individual Facebook pages, we need someone to work in our DC. Can you put things in boxes? And I was like, I'm pretty sure I can do that. So I applied and we had a very adorable interview while I was still in Colorado. And then you hired me to start working at Gooder in August of 2017. Yeah. What did you do before that? Before that, I worked at a, a hot dog stand called Jim's in Denver. And then I was also doing Breaking Silence, my nonprofit at the same time. Well, I love the carrier you just talked about. Asked her the same question yesterday. She's like, well, Stephen, we launched Gooder in our living room. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's like this weird thing that we had to go through the motions so the the listeners can be grounded in uh, how we all know each other. For sure. Yeah. It's a deep connection. So, Ali, can you briefly summarize your role for everybody? So what's your lame title? What's your real title? And what do you do for Gooder? Yeah. So my lame title is I'm the head of sales. My Goodery title is I am the story seller in chief. And that means I run our sales department or what we call here the story sellers. 
Yeah. So you just said the Flock's name. We have direct-to-consumer sales and we have B2B sales, which is your team. But what do y'all do and what are your values? What are your areas of focus? Yeah, so we obviously sell sunglasses to our business-to-business partners at the very baseline. <laughs> That's what we do. Makes sense, yeah. <laughs> our values are risk-taking and community. In order to grow, you have to and expand your brand. You need those two things. And then our areas of focus are storytelling, growth, connection, ambassadors, and cohesion. So those are all the five things we focus on as the story sellers. Yeah. All right. Sean, how many of you lost in a row? You lost six in a row? I didn't even know, man. It's time to break the streak. I'm, I'm feeling it all right. right now. <laughs> what do you want? Odds or evens? I'll go odds. All right. One, two, three, shoot. Is that a win? Oh, you got it. You yeah! got it. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, people. It's, a, it's a, been a long time coming. <laughs> All right, Ali. So how is the sales team structured that might differ from other companies? Yeah. So most sales teams, I would say, in other companies are very linear. And we, as in you have a territory, you get paid commission. It's very structured in a linear way. And us here at Gooder, our sales department is in a pod system or very circle shaped. So We believe in people being in the right roles, not people being in a geographical territory. So if you're really good at doing co-brands, I want you to lead our co-brand side of our business. If you're great at elevating key accounts, you should be focused on key accounts, regardless of if that's in the West Coast, the Midwest, or wherever region it is. So we're really focused on roles and making sure that people are in the right role and helping our retailers or our B2B partners in those roles. Ali, could you actually walk us through the four main channels, co-brand, global, specialty, key account? Sure. Yeah. So our channels on the B2B side are specialty, which is all of our retail business that works through our retailer platform called SellGooder. And then we have our key accounts business, which are things like Fleet Feed or REI or Nordstrom. And then we have our co-brand program, which is customized gooders that businesses can use to promote their own product or maybe just gift to their employees. And then we have International, which is all distributors across the world that are selling gooders in different regions. How many doors are we in domestically? Domestically, we're in about 2,500. And how many around the world? Door-wise, we're about same. It's about 2,200 around the world. Cool. Yep. Cool, cool. All right. Can you talk about why your team doesn't work on commission? Yeah, because commission only gets you so far as far as your motivation to sell, in my opinion. So if you're really committed to the brand, you love the messaging, you love the feel, you love the culture, you're not going to just be focused on hitting a quota. You're going to be focused on always elevating the brand in all the different regions. And commission also puts a preface that the sales team is more important than other teams, that they should get paid more or a percentage of the company. Why would sales get that and not marketing or a distribution center? So it allows everybody to know that they're working together towards one cause, which just happened to be the cause of actually selling the product. Yeah, for sure. It's one of those things when you know, we post jobs for the sales team, which like right up front at the top of it, of this, you know, this is social, but just to be clear, there is no commission at this company because it's such a common place in the sales world. Right. Just to drill down this a little bit more, because I think it's so fascinating. And why do you think it's a common place in the sales world? 
I think because it's been believed that salespeople can only be motivated by money and that if they don't get commission, then they're not going to sell. I have literally worked in sales jobs where they're like, well, if we don't pay you commission, why would you sell our product? And I'm always like, I should want to do this more than just the fact that I get commission. Like if that is the only reason I'm selling, I'm awful at my job. So I think that's just been a common belief in sales is that the only reason you sell is for commission. Yeah, for sure. I I agree. I also think that there's a short term view when you are making commission, right? Where if if you're on the sales team, you just really care about that. So, you know, long term, is this the right partner? How is this going to do we have to do something special to them that is going to affect our DC? If you're a salesperson, like you actually stop caring about that stuff because you're just trying to get yours. Exactly. And you stop being a team player and you'll start making sleazy deals. You'll violate some of the brand standards because you want to hit your number. I mean, a really good example of this is we had a huge co-brand that came through and it just wasn't a fit. And if our co-brand manager is on commission, she doesn't go to our head of marketing and design and to you, Stephen, and ask you about it. She's going to make that deal because that commission check would have been crazy. But she holds the value of the brand at a really high level. She's getting paid appropriately and all those things are there, but she's not going to make rash decisions that could hurt the brand to get commission. And that's really important. So Ali, I know you've done a ton of work to create processes for your team. Are there any processes as a sales team that you feel you just couldn't do without? Yeah, I mean, I would say at the base level, our projections and rolling 12 is pretty important. We got to know the numbers we're aiming for. So that's huge for us. We just created scorecards for every single launch, which is our ability to evaluate launches of sunglasses in real time. That's a really important process for us as well. And then we have a monthly numbers meeting, which allows us to problem solve monthly on things that are going right, things that are going wrong in every channel, and how do we adjust in real time. What are some of the things that are on like a launch scorecard, for instance? What are you tracking? A lot of thumbs ups or thumbs downs. Um, (laughs) It's basically, did we hit the revenue target? Did we sell through with the appropriate amount? Did we get the customer engagement that we wanted for that launch? Did we hit the goal and the purpose of that launch? And then most importantly, would we recommend to do that in years to come? All right. Yeah. And just everybody knows, right? This is part of this whole thing we do every month where every month micro brand architect is sharing all right here's what we're doing next year this same time and ali is leading scorecards being created on what just happened so that we're like all right do we need to change next year because of this and you know change could be we don't do it change could be we didn't buy enough change could be we bought too many and then the last week of the month we're projecting 12 months at ali all right, all right next year this month this is the revenue and so we do this every month because we need to be looking like that far ahead and and also kind of crazy to only do your projections like every October. Like trying to imagine what happened in January when you're in October is kind of crazy. So I don't feel anything to add to that, Allie, but it's, it's kind of changed how we perform and lowered stress in such a prolific way. For sure. I mean, it's just more of a conversation than committing you know, like you said, to really solid numbers in an arbitrary time, it just doesn't make any sense. And it just adds a lot of anxiety. And you're going to get it wrong. And this allows us, as we learned very much in the last year, to be adaptable. It lets us change and adapt in real time, which is hugely important when we're not wizards and we can't predict the future. We need to be able to be adaptable. 
shifting gears here a little bit, what does your team's interaction with retailers look like? So as you kind of all heard, we have a lot of different channels. And so each of them interact with our business to business people very differently from the retail side. Everything is virtual right now. So we have a happy hour lounge on Facebook. We send them emails every single week. Some of them are fun and silly, like Carl and Teddy's sofa chats, which is like a you know newsletter, basically. And we have then our launch emails. Obviously, we have a retail support in which they can reach out to us at any point in time. We have a little robot on our Sellgooder website. So we kind of try to make ourselves as accessible as possible virtually. So that's really how we function on this retail specific side. Speaking of virtual, COVID kind of trashed everything that would have been, you know, a little bit more in person. So how has your sales team adapted to build connections virtually? Yeah, my team's pretty cute. So we really like each other. And so we do what we called NWO meetings every other Friday, which is the New World Order meeting. And that's just basically complete silliness that we talk. Sometimes we play games, sometimes we do a happy hour, sometimes we eat dinner together. We've done an in-person, socially distanced park hang once when things were a little bit less intense. Fun fact about my team, we've never all been together in person besides at a very big distance. And we are very bonded and it's very much a testament to the effort that they make. Also, Slack We're pretty fun on Slack. We have a little story sellers channel and we send a lot of memes and gifts and we just kind of tell each other everything that's going on. And I think that's how we've done it throughout COVID. Yeah, Ali. So we have our direct consumer business, gooder.com, right? That's the other, that's the other side and B2B. How do we balance it? And maybe what are some tension points that, that show up in there? Sure. So I really believe that wholesale pushes .com and .com pushes wholesale. So I think that they're actually friends. They're in the same ballpark. They need each other to survive. Without actually being able to physically interact with our product, customers aren't going to go to our website and buy at the rate at which they do. And then vice versa, being able to find us on a .com, maybe then you go into a store and you're like, oh, I know these glasses. I'm going to buy some more of them. I love them. So They're friends. They definitely bounce off of each other. And I think it's important that me and the dot-com side of this company are always aligned, which we are. Dan and I, we talk a lot. We know what's going on. So, Yeah. I think that, you know, the one thing that is very real to me and in the B2B space is the more retailers we can be in that love us, the more actually in-person advertising we get, right? You know, if you're a really cool gooder stand inside a store, that's people that we may never have heard of our brand get to see us. And it really feeds the business. And it's something that is kind of overlooked, I think. Do you? Oh, for sure. Feeling the brand is so important. We're such, we're also, we want to be that. We want to be a felt brand. So having retailers that feel the brand and live the brand in their stores for customers to interact with is just so important. Seems like that might be one way that we could differentiate ourselves. But How do you feel like Gooder gets noticed when there's so many different sunglasses at stores? I don't know if you've ever seen our website or how many (laughs) colors we have, (laughs) but (laughs) I would say colors. So we are very bright. When you walk into a retail store and you see a Gooder stand, like you see a Gooder stand, it is pink and teal and it is bright and vibrant and it has no just straight up black sunglasses on an entire stand. It's a black and it's pink and it's orange and it's yellow and it's blue and it's all of these amazing colors. And you're instantly like, I'm interested. I like colors. What's going on over there? So makes sense. Yeah. (laughs) 
I just imagine what our evolution of POP would be in the future, but it just, you know, at some point, just be like, let's just do a giant neon, like, let's just, just make a neon sign that is our POP. I feel like that's, like, the dystopian future we want to be in. Do you? Yeah, I mean, that and also a bar inside of retail store that sells sunglasses and not alcohol. That's my real dream. So I guess the neon sign can go on that bar if we're right. <laughs> dreaming. We're, we're looking for shelf space and also how much room is there for dance floor space? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we were in a meeting a, a little bit ago and what I really want is a POP made to go on drink cards at golf courses with gooders on it. And Allie, at the end of this day, I mean, she, she was like, I mean, how serious are you about that? Like, how much time should we be investing in that? And I'm like, <laughs> I'm like well, I really want it. I'm not sure how much time we should be investing in it, but I, I do want it. <laughs> yeah, it's very fun. How do we decide what retailers to work with? What's that look like? We're pretty nice. Our baseline requirement is you have to be a brick and mortar. So you have to have a storefront and you can't be like a gas station or a pharmacy. Like there's some standards that we have as far as the type of retail store that you are. But typically our retailers are athletic focused in some capacity. That's a very loose phrase. And they have a storefront. I mean, that's really the biggest thing. And then they go through, they fill out an application and Jacob, who's our wonderful customer service sheriff, he will get back to you and say, you are a fit for the brand or you're not a fit for the brand. And here's why. I mean, this is completely off script, but I feel like we should just list off a few stores and you tell us, yes, we would sell to them or no, we wouldn't. A few types of stores. Sure, let's do it. All right, Sean, so get, get some stores in your mind. Just we'll, we'll just see how we live here. A bar. Would we sell to a bar? Yeah, if it's Circle Bar, yes. Circle Bar, Circle Bar only. <laughs> or uh, Circle Bar, a Tiki Bar, mm-hmm. right? Anything like on a beach probably would be fine. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. How about Ralph's? No. No grocery stores. All right. How about California Pizza Kitchen? No. How about an adult bookshop? Mm, that would be your call. I would defer to you. <laughs> that would that would work its way up the ladder yeah. to me. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's that's above me. That's for sure. Sean, what do you got? Man, you were just hitting the list in my head. How about like a boutique fashion? Yes. Ooh, all right. A guitar shop? No. A vintage nautical store? Of course. <laughs> One of those paycheck loan stores. No. The Harry Potter gift shop in the airport in Scotland. A hundred percent. I will make it happen <laughs> if I have to take them there myself. I'll do it. <laughs> Allie ties part of her salary to that shop. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> all <Yeah>. right. <laughs> well, 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 none of that. <laughs> we had the what's the process for retailers to buy? You kind of covered that already, Allie. Did we say where they need to go to like sign up? If you go to gooder.com, you will find our retailer request form on gooder.com and you can reach out to us. And like I said, Jacob will respond to you with lots of energy and support and he would love to talk to you. Yeah. Do you have any rules for retailers? You know, like what they can do, what they can't do? How do we enforce that? I mean, our biggest rule is you can't discount our product. So that's rule number one. We enforce that by Googling it. So if you think you're getting away with it, you're not just heads up out there. So that's our biggest rule. And then the other one is if you are going to sell us online or anything, you just have to talk to us about it and go through a process to get approved. But other than that, no real strict rules we have for retail. Yeah, I mean, we've taken a pretty hard line stance of never discounting our product. And I remember when we first launched, we'd go to 
marathon, like trade shows, a big thing in the world would be like, oh, what's the show deal? And my response would always be, the show deal is we're charging you $25 for a pair of sunglasses instead of 100 like everyone else. Would you like a pair of sunglasses? Right. <laughs> <laughs> would you like four, actually? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Yeah. So why should someone want to carry Gitter in their stores? I think for us, what we always tell people is if you love to have fun and you want an authentic brand inside of your store, Gooder is what you should carry. Also, if you like money, our sunglasses tend to sell very fast and very quickly. I've never known a retailer to take a chance on Gooder and then come back and be like, oh, these just sat there forever. It's never happened. So if you like fun, if you like money, you should carry Gooders. Allie, you just always have like a smug smile when, when somebody's telling you, yeah, you know, just never made money on sunglasses. And you're just like, you're like, don't worry. Like, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be totally fine. And our entry point into becoming a retailer is so small. Like, it's just a, it's a really small investment. So it's it's a risk, but it's a very small risk. So I think everyone should just take a chance and do not ever do an opening order of 25 gingers. I will come back to you and say, that's not allowed. I guess that's the other rule. You can't just buy gingers. Yeah, you got to buy color. Yeah, you got to get color. So what's a white whale retailer that you want Gooder to be sold in? Well, mine's really specific because it's not just the retailer. I want an end cap that is a bar with a neon sign inside of Target. So that's my white whale. Would we have a person in the bar? Yeah, it'd be Carl. So it'd be a stuffed animal. So... (laughs) Not helpful. Are you thinking animatronic like Chuck E. Cheese, Carl? Yeah, so creepy. Like the creepiest animatronic Carl we could find. Yeah. Right. So he serves <laughs> drinks, but he doesn't really move that much. Right. Or like, <laughs> he plays yeah. the banjo. We don't know why. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Ukulele. He played the ukulele. <laughs> ukulele. <laughs> yeah, there you go. That's, that's right. Is there a, I just joked about the uh, Edinburgh Airport Harry Potter store. Is there some other like weird thing like that that you would just love to see? I mean, I really love all of the weird museums in LA and like we have some really weird ones here and and I think in every state probably in the country so if we could really make a move on like the weirdest museums that sell gooders as well that would be my weird dream what's that Jurassic what's that place called Jurassic Technologies like Museum of Jurassic Technologies that's great I would love to be sold there that place is the weirdest fucking place in the world it's so weird yeah so, <laughs> if anyone from there is hearing this, gooder.com. <laughs> Let's hook it up. Let's get to some lessons and advice here. What do you feel like your biggest fuck up is, or one thing that you wish you would have done differently? I think it's a constant lesson for me, which is doing feedback quickly and in the moment. I think it's really easy for me in particular to want to wait, gather my thoughts, make sure I have all of the right words. And sometimes you just have to give that feedback immediately. And I think in the New World Order in particular, learning that lesson and getting better at that rapidness was a learning curve, for sure. Oh, man, it's a practice in life. Oh, my gosh, seriously. Yeah, we've got Carl's feedback method, which is uh, clear, actionable, recent, and legit. And you were just speaking to the recency being sort of important to actually making meaningful feedback for someone, right? Correct. Yep. Cool. So what's the biggest shift you've made since taking over the story sellers? I mean, the pod system was definitely a huge shift that we made. We were territory driven and had account managers in every region 
in the country, and we shifted to this more collaborative team effort approach in March of last year. So that was a really, really big shift for us as a team. Yeah, hmm, March of last year. What was going on then? I can't remember. <laughs> <laughs> Nothing. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, right? Just part for the course, the uh, basic stuff. What are you most proud of? I'm most proud of my team. This year has been really hard. I mean, Stephen, you say it often. It's like B2B got kicked in the teeth over and over again, and that's just really accurate. My team has shown grit and tenacity and love and passion, and I'm just very, very proud of them and what they've done and continue to do in the last year. That's awesome. All right, Ellie. So if you have three cheat codes for anyone in the sales space, what's your advice there? Yeah. So it's listen, listen, and then ABC. If all else fails, tell a drunk limerick, listen, and then ABC. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Behind that is your subcontext. Like, at the end of the day, people just want to be heard. And if you hear people, you are winning. Yes, and you'll know what they actually want. So if you're worried about your pitch, or what you think they want, you're probably not going to get them where you want them to be. But if you listen first and ask a lot of questions, you'll get there. Great advice. All right. Well, thanks so much for joining us today, Ali. Yeah, thanks for having me. Oh, yeah, it's been great to have you. Thanks, Stephen. And thanks for listening, everybody. Be sure to subscribe and send us your questions at gooder.com slash culture. Until next time, be excellent to each other. Thank you so much for listening. Send us your questions, learn more, and find episode resources at gooder.com slash culture. If you enjoyed yourself today, which we're sure you did, we would be so grateful if you could please leave us your star rating and review. That minute and a half of your time, it really does help people find us. And don't forget to share us on your stories, tell your friends, tell your parents, tell your delivery person who's probably listening to some other shitty podcast right now. Be sure to follow us on Instagram at culturegooder and Stephen at Stephen Lease. That's Stephen with a PH because those V people are not trustworthy. Culture Gooder is produced by our in-house Gooder team. So many thanks to the Culture Gooder team and also everyone else at Gooder, really without whom there obviously would be nothing to even podcast about. At Gooder, we exist to give you the permission to be unabashedly yourself, unless you're an asshole. So don't be. See you next time.